0: and all the different things that we do please follow me on instagram which is terry underscore blackburn property or on youtube my page is terry blackburn property me myself i've been from rags to riches i had nothing now i've built multiple businesses turning over millions of pounds of a multi-million pounds portfolio of property up in the northeast of england i am by no means done yet so please get in touch if you love the show if you have any feedback for me i'd really appreciate that and i'm happy to help as many people as i possibly can that's what this show is all about so enjoy the episode take care have a fantastic day and don't just take notes take action
1: we have a truly inspirational and high energy guest for you a man who has not only just made a mark but has etched his legacy in the world of entrepreneurship He's a true sales savant, a powerhouse in real estate, and a maestro of recruitment. Please welcome the man who took the sales world by storm and turned into a symphony of success, Terry Blackburn. He is the epitome of hustle, bringing unmatched energy and dedication to his craft each and every day. Started from very humble beginnings, he now owns multiple successful businesses, proving that with the right amount of tenacity and a relentless drive, anything is possible. Please join us as we dive into the extraordinary journey of Terry Blackburn. Welcome to the Fail Forward Podcast, where Dan and Adnan peel back the onion on our guest stories and on each other, all in an effort to change the narrative of failure. Enjoy the show.
2: Okay, welcome back to the Fail Forward Podcast with Dan and Adnan, and today we've got Terry Blackburn. Good to meet you, see you, and good to have you on the show, Terry.
0: Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to it.
2: Good man. So, Terry, we kind of, I think, met through a, a property network, um, the Prosperity Network. Uh, not met face-to-face, but just through the network. And I suddenly heard a lot about you, a <laughs> lot about your energy as well. And I just said to Adnan, we've got to get Terry on this show. You were, like, well up on the list of Terry's got to be on this show. I just, there's so many things that. I want to learn about you. And um, we had a brief chat not that long ago. And... uh yeah, I mean Adnan, where do you want to start?
1: Oh man, uh Terry, I want to talk about the rags to riches concept, philosophy and maybe focus a little bit more on the rags and how it got you to the riches. I'd love for you to start okay. telling us about what, you know, your initial years of life were when it wasn't easy, when you were wearing, living, breathing the rags and that kind of life. What was that like? It's not easy now, by the way, either, even when you're in the riches,
0: so to speak. Um, but yeah, at it, it, it the early stages, it was it, it was challenging, man. But but the, the thing when you're young, and you're a little bit naive on you, I didn't know any different. I didn't know that other people had lots of money. I didn't know that other people had holidays every year and better clothes. And the only time you've become aware of that is at school, is when you see other kids who've got better trainers, better shoes, better coats go on nicer holidays in the six weeks holidays than you, that's the only time you really become aware of it. But prior to that, you don't know what you don't know. I didn't know other people had better things than me. And then when you become aware of it, you can either focus on it and dwell and think, oh, feel sorry for yourself, I don't have their life, I wish I had their life. Or you think, right, well, I'm going to make that for myself. And that, that was always my attitude. So selling things at school and all of those things sparked my interest into having things that I didn't already have. Um, so, yeah, it was challenging, but at the end of the day, like, it made us who I am. It shaped and moulded me to, to who I am today. So I'm glad I went through hardship, and I'm glad I didn't have anything growing up, because I might not be who I am today without that. So I don't look at it negatively I hold any like, um, you know, resentment or anything, and I don't, I I wouldn't change it if I could. It it made us who I am, so, so yeah.
2: It's a bit, it's a bit of a, I think it's a blessing, because I kind of grew up in a very similar way as well, and now I look at, in Dubai with my kids, five and eight, they've got a totally different lifestyle out here. All they've seen is, not hardship; they've not seen they've seen the biggest and best of everything. Buildings—you go into a toilet, it's immaculate. No. When we go home each summer and we go through Gatwick or we go through Heathrow and take to the toilet, like Dad, what the hell is this? And you you're just yeah. like you have no idea, but it's—I kind of wish, in a way, yeah. I mean, Freddie grew up in the UK a bit before he moved out here, but Etienne's—he's mm-hmm. not known any different to Dubai, and I think it does it. It makes you, like you said, just that going through those. Mm-hmm. Mm. Those times.
1: but Ter- mm. terry there you mentioned like either playing the victim when you see people having a life better than you or actually going after it mm. was there something in your life that helped you say that oh it is possible to get to that level versus a lot of people just saying well that life is not even feeling bad but just saying hey that life's not for me because a lot of people do do that mm. what made you yeah, believe I mean, that you could get there
0: yeah I mean that kind of ties into my book I might I might as well plug it now um so be a lion the book is is very much about like a lion's lifestyle right so i don't I don't know much about animals right just to put it out there but from what I know about animals and lions a lion wouldn't just lie there in the desert or wherever the are the Sahara or whatever um and if a zebra walks past or a gazelle walks past, I don't think a lion would think, whoa, that, that zebra looks too fast for me, I'm not going to give it a try today. Nah, I'm hungry, but no, not today. A lion would just do it. Like, a lion have zero self-doubt, do they? To my understanding, and what my knowledge of lies is they have no self-doubt. And I honestly believe I did not have, and I still, you know, I'm not going to lie, the odd time self-doubt creeps in now. But certainly until I was probably 17, 18, I can't ever remember doubting myself. So how do I really relate that to your question? Is when when someone had a better life than me and had better holidays and better cars and better clothes, I didn't think for one second that I couldn't get that holiday, that car, those type of clothes. If I didn't, if I wanted to, I just never ever doubted myself. So I thought if they've got it, I can get that too. How I actually done that is a different thing, but I never doubted for one second that I couldn't have what I wanted. Um, I didn't always know the methods, but I just... I don't know there's always been something in me to not doubt myself, and I don't know why. I don't know if it's instilled in it. I don't know if something happened to give us this belief. I, I don't know. But, um, but I can't ever remember doubting myself, hence the book.
1: Mm. How was your relationship with your parents? How's is- I'm curious if that was something that was instilled in you by the family.
0: Um, I don't want to say anything negative about my family, but you know, my dad wasn't around um, most of my childhood. Um, and my mum didn't have much money at all until I was probably, I think it was about 10, 11 maybe. I can't actually remember an age, but basically we grew up in a high-rise block of flats, no money, really, you know, we, we did struggle. And then my mum set up a business. She'd done really well. And then um, I think it was around about 2000, it was around about the recession time, she lost everything. So I've seen having nothing to all of a sudden having something and then having nothing again. So I've seen that from my mum and I watched the struggle and I watched the rise and all of a sudden I'm getting Christmas presents and I was like, this is amazing. And then all of a sudden it was gone again. So I think that then made me, that definitely shaped me because that, that spurred my interest in property. After a few years, of course, to realise that that builds something that, if something goes wrong in the businesses, that I've got the safety net of the property. So I think I think that's what my parents done for me, and, and my dad not being around as much, you know, made me a better dad for sure, because you know I want to be there for my children. Um, and, and he, you know, my dad, if he listens to this, you know, he we we'll get on now. Just I didn't see him, you know, when I was younger. So I think my mum gave us that drive by seeing her have nothing, have something, and then nothing again. That made me want to protect the wealth, grow it and protect it. And I think my dad, it made us want to be a really good dad to my kids. I think that's how my parents shaped my, my life, yeah.
2: Hmm. That's an interesting question, You have a very and good sense of self-awareness. I was thinking about this when I moved to Dubai as well, and I was a full-time dad. And I think there's so many people out there that don't know what they want. They, they don't have goals and they don't really have the ambitions. But a lot of people sometimes know what they don't want. And I think that does stem back mm. to your parents and hardships and things that have either not gone so well. And I think from, for me at that point as well, there were things that did happen in my life before I moved to Dubai. And that started me off from a scratch that, okay, I don't know exactly what I want at the moment, but I know what I don't want. And
0: mm.
2: I started unraveling that and going into the past and reflecting a bit on that. And then that then kind of built a base, you know, like it did for you too mm. owning property now and getting on yeah. getting yeah. the things that you went through then turn into a positive and I think that's that's where I started with my journey as well.
0: And it's it's moving away from pain, or well, it's moving towards pleasure, isn't it? That that's that's what it is. Yeah. All the are the two driving factors in human beings. It's away from things that you don't want or towards things that you do want. And if you can play on both, which is something that I do, I've still got something in me that I, it's like I need to protect what I've built because I don't want to lose it. It's that pain and that fear of that is still there. And I'm not, like, scared of it. It's I just, I'm aware, you said self-aware, I'm aware enough of what it is, but I just play on it. And I trick my mind to think, fucking tell you need to get more property to make sure you protect all this money you just made. And then it's, and then the goals, are exciting stuff, or the pleasure that you want to move towards, the life you want, the holidays you want, the house you want, the way you want to look if you're going into your fitness and all of that. And if you've got both factors, you, you're unstoppable, then you, you, you don't... The lions are scared of being hungry. They don't want to go hungry, but they want to eat the zebra. They might like the taste of the zebra, but they don't want to go hungry, so they don't want to feed the kids, the cubs. So it's, it's the same, right? If you've got both... The, you're not stopping, you're unstoppable at that point. If the pain is, is harsh enough and the pleasure is, you want it enough, if it's pleasurable enough,
1: if that makes sense. So they, they did this study where they actually had a mice in a tube and they attached a piece of, uh, a string to the, their tail on one side to be able to measure the amount that the mice pulled on that string when it went one way or the other. And they put the smell mm. of cheese on one side and they measured it to a certain degree, whatever that amount was. And as soon as they put the smell of cheese on one side and the smell of the uh, cat on the other, the amount of pulling went up by more than double. So you have statistical, like, yeah. scientific evidence for your for your claim. How cool is that?
0: Yeah, I didn't know that, but I might use that one myself. I like that one. Um, but it's, it's right. You know, I'm often proved right in my theories. Sometimes I'm not. But um, but yeah, I love that. I love that. If you have got both, but some some people say it's all about you know visualize what you want and you'll attract it, and yeah, that is true. But other people say, well, you know, protect what you've got so you never go back to this place, or you know, you. Ne- but if you have got both, why? It's like this working smarter and working harder argument. Why can't you just do both? Why does it have to be one or the other? What? Why? Why does it have to be? Well, if you you want to be really fit, you've got to exercise four times a week and you can't drink and you can't go out and enjoy yourself. Why can't you do both? Because you can. Or if you're going to run a big business, you know, you haven't got time for girlfriends and partners. Why can't you do both? Why can't you have a successful relationship and a successful business? Because you can do both. But some people have just got it in their heads that you have to choose. It's bollocks. Sorry for swearing. But it is. (laughs) Yeah.
2: I like what you started saying about visualisations. I listened to something so incredible the other day. A guy called Ash Dykes, he's an adventurer. And he's done some insane, like, treks in China. and But they're like world record attempts. He's now working with National Geographic Film Initiative filming as well. It's incredible. And he was talking about visualisation. And when he's going on these epic one-off adventures and he's, he's phoning people and he's getting hold of people that have done it and failed he's like w- why did you fail and they're like well don't do it it's impossible and he's like okay i'm going to make it possible and i'm going to break down tiny little steps that you probably didn't think of and i'm going to visualize the whole expedition but he said i'm not going to visualize all the good stuff he said i'm going to visualize all the pain and all the difficult times and he said i'm going to work on that and it got him through and there were three days he went without water through this desert And he just broke it down into he could survive on tiny little sips, broke it down each day and even for his crew as well, they were like barely surviving as well. But it's the way he broke it down and he visualised the hardship and the difficult days he's going to have. And that's like your mitigation And If you think, well actually, if that's the worst that's going to happen, I'm good. I'm going to make it. And that's what I got from from what you were saying a little bit as well.
0: One of the great, I was just saying this to a coaching client yesterday, um, I believe one of the best ways to, you said mitigate, one of the best ways to mitigate a, troubled, a hard time or reduce the impact a hard time or a hard situation has on you is if you anticipate it in advance. So if you know that by buying loads of property, you are going to get evictions, you're going to get voids, you're going to get maintenance, you're going to get tenant issues, you're going to get mortgage issues, you're going to get all of this rubbish... It's, if you don't, if you're naive to think it's not going to happen to you, or you're uneducated enough to think it's not going to happen to you, then it'll affect you more than if you are educated and you think, well, actually, it's probably going to happen. So if you almost anticipate, you don't want it to happen, but you anticipate that it's probably going to, it makes it easier to deal with that hard situation. And loads of people, for some reason, just think being an entrepreneur is easy, because they see on Instagram. And they think that they're untouchable or they think it'll never happen to them. When we all know that that's not the case. But if you anticipate it, it makes it easier to deal with. Um, and that, that's the same in that story, right? He, he anticipated he was going to have to do that with the water, which made it... Whereas if you... Imagine if you just set off now, right, you've got to walk and you've got to do this expedition. You didn't even think about the water. You run out of water. <sighs> It's disastrous you haven't anticipated what the level of effort and the hard time you're gonna to have to go through to achieve your goal, therefore it will feel harder when you're doing this and you're in pursuit of it so yeah. yeah
1: and 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 oftentimes you get to a point where you almost psych yourself out potentially with how bad it could be like oh, I'll never buy a property because I'd have to i don't know if I'd be able to deal with these tenant issues or deal with the marketing going market going down. Mm-hmm. But visualizing that makes you realize, okay, this happens, great. What are the three things I can do? Oh, I have this option, this mm-hmm. option, and this option. Okay, if these three don't work, what do I have as a backup? So you've essentially planned out all the contingencies, and it gives you significantly more confidence into going into a new risky endeavor, right? Because, yeah, you've imagined it happening, and you've managed through all the potential uh, risks. Mm. Um, 100%. Terry, completely mm-hmm. agree. Yeah, mm-hmm. let's let's talk about property a little bit. You mentioned mm-hmm. that you know you you had belief that you'd get where you want to get, but didn't necessarily have the methods to get there. What are the resources or experiences you went through to become, you know, an expert or at least someone who knows their stuff when it comes to property? Was it just buying the first what property? Was, the was story? it club horses? What were the experiences? Um, yeah, what were the experiences that you went through that helped you best understand the market and the world of property and investing?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: There's, a, there's a bit
0: of a connectivity issue, I think. Um, but, but yeah, um, so the experiences that I went through in property, um, so when I got into business well, I was got into sales before I got into business. And I started to make decent money, you're talking 80, 90 grand when I was 19, which um, which was a lot of money back then, it's a lot of money now. Um, I was making good money at age 19, so you can imagine what you do with that much money when you're that age. I was doing this, it was going everywhere, I wasn't investing it, but then it got, after a year or so, it got to a stage of like, right, right, well, let's not waste this money now, let's do something with it. So at this point, i have never watched a YouTube video. I'd never read a book on property. I'd never done any education or nothing. I just had it in my head that property was a good place to put your money. So I started to buy low-value properties um, in really rough areas. So, you know, my first purchase was £14,500. Uh, that's for a two-bed, terraced house. So you can't even mortgage it that way. <laughs> so it was cash purchase second one was 16 grand, third one was 17 and a half grand. So you can imagine the tenant profile, you can imagine the area, you can imagine the street of these properties, right? So I bought these and within the space of, I got them all rented out, it was about a grand a month profit, and I was like, I've made it, I've I've uncovered something like magical, um, getting a grand a month for nothing. And then all of a sudden, within the space of probably six months, there was one broken into, there was an attempted murder in one of them, there was drug dealers in it, it was just horrific. Um, so then I thought, shit, like this is not the best strategy, let's sell them all and let's buy some nicer properties. So i done that, started to buy 80, 100 grand properties, Bought loads of battleettes and that was a much better model but I wasn't doing like buy, refurbish, refinance, I was just buying, parking the money that I was making in sales. Parking it in there and getting the return. Um, So, yeah, then I built that up, went into HMOs, then went into service accommodation, then hotels, then glamping, now bars, restaurants, cafes, and all of the other stuff that's that's happened. But I suppose that the biggest lesson I learned was, like, (laughs) I suppose, like, making educated... Um, purchase and do and actually think about what you're doing and and that sounds a bit stupid but like I di- I didn't think about what I was doing I was just like I'll just buy these properties and get some money back because I didn't know what I was doing so so I've learned that obviously you've got you've got to let a phrase that I say a lot is you let the numbers guide you not the emotion numbers and logic should should guide every decision that you make in business and property because too many people buy on emotion they go and view a property and they think oh it's a lovely property. It's in a lovely street, but that's pretty irrelevant if the numbers don't stack. Um, so, like, numbers and logic guide you. Yeah, I've definitely learned that. And diversification is is key because if you're a buy-to-let investor that's highly leveraged right now, you're probably screwed because of interest rates. But because if you've got buy-to-let in HMOs and service accommodation, you're spreading that risk. So rates haven't affected... the well, they've affected, but not too much, HMOs and SA. They haven't killed those off, like they have killed off some buy-to-let investments. So because I've spread my risk, I, I'm untouchable, really, to a degree. Um, and then if you diversify in different industries, some that'll benefit from things like COVID and some that won't, or some that'll benefit from things like a recession and things and some that won't, then you, you build an indestructible wealth, which... Which I believe probably comes back from my childhood when I see my mum have nothing and then something, then nothing. I've got this spread in my risk to protect myself mentality. Um, So that's what I've learned from property. Um,
2: Did you have anyone to guide you through that process or were you just like, off the bat, I'm having a property... Let's have a go. Like you said, did, did, was there anyone you bounced anything off or any guidance or were you just like going hell forever?
0: No, no nobody. Um, because none of my friends at that time had any property. Everybody was still going out and drinking every weekend and getting up to mischief. Um, so I, I had nobody. My, my parents don't have property. My mates didn't have property. It was only really when I got into business, when I set up my first company at 24, Then I started to meet other business owners who were more experienced than me and doing better than me financially. Then I only started to speak to these people and it was like, oh my God, all the things I've been doing, these people actually do. And these people are doing it even better and they're doing it on a bigger scale. So I can actually, I've actually been doing the right thing, but I just needed, I need someone like, and then I started to ask them for advice and then it started to piquing my interest even more into, like, wealth creation and, and yeah, making money, building companies and all of that. So, yeah.
2: It's that saying again and again, isn't it? Your network is your net worth. And I think it is, like, that secret key, isn't it? Once you start meeting people and it mm. just unlocks these imaginations and new ways and different ways and smarter ways, I think, than anything of, of just mm. doing things differently that just open up, Yeah. Are you a competitive dude, Terry
0: <laughs> do you need to, do you need to really ask me that um yeah, yeah. yeah bad I'm quite quite bad with it because I must admit I'm a little bit less now, but I, I, going back to the childhood thing so so this was one thing at school, right I was terrible at everything, literally everything, every single lesson I failed, everything got used and fs on everything, and and I, I, I was never really good at anything, right, apart from, like, because I'm so glad this is different now, by the way, because I'm glad my kids aren't like this. So when I was a kid, it was cool to be naughty and to be the little, that it was like a chav, that it was cool to be, so I was good at being really naughty, that was the only thing I was good at. Now, luckily, this day and age is cool to be clever, which I'm very happy about for my children, but, but back then, the only thing I was good at was being naughty and working myself and getting in the fights and doing stupid stuff. That was the only thing I was good at, right? And everybody, like, in terms of career-wise, everybody told us that I would do nothing, that I'd be either in prison or, you know, on the dole. Um, and I was just never good at anything. Straight from school, I went into being a builder. I was terrible at that. I'd done that for three years. And it was only then when I became... I got into sales and I was really good at it, it was like, bang, I found something I'm good at now, and then the competitiveness was like, because I've been so used to not doing very good at everything, and I couldn't really be competitive because I was so bad at everything, then I found sales that I was actually really good at, and I was like, I am, and I remember walking up to the top insurance salesman in the company, because it was insurance sales, and I said to him, and everyone laughed, I went, I will be the best in this industry, in this country, within a few years. Ah, oh, yeah, of course you will, of course you will. And I went, I'm telling you, and I was, and then I said I'll be have the biggest company in the UK selling life pursuits, and I did that. But it comes from competitiveness, and I think it was elevated because I was I, I couldn't be competitive in loads of different things because I wasn't very good at them. I didn't have an opportunity to be anywhere near the top three, top five in anything. Then I found something I was really good at. I was like, "I'm doing this no matter what, and I'm going to be the best." And, and that's when the competitiveness really went like that.
2: I don't think there's many of you around, Terry. I think you're you are original. That that mindset you <laughs> need to you need to just be the best at something. What I was thinking though, when you were talking then was. That point that you found sales changed everything for you to where you are now. Mm. What? 100%. Let's start, and this is, this is, I don't know where this question is coming from or how I'm going to phrase this, but have you ever imagined yourself, if you hadn't found sales, what would you have done? Because we're all defined by our choices, and you made a choice to go into sales that day. Let's say sales wasn't there as an opportunity or you weren't aware of that situation. Where do you think you could have ended up? Which which direction do you think you could have gone had you not found sales? Well,
0: um, more than likely, it would have been down the wrong path. I was very lucky not to get arrested or locked up for anything. I was very lucky to escape the groups of people I was hanging around with. Um, you know, without getting the criminal record, without ever getting you know, I I, I was really in with the wrong people. I really was. Um, and it just so happened. I just got made redundant. From being a builder, and about two, three weeks later, well, I drowned my sorrows, I got really, really drunk um, for a couple of weeks, and then I got into sales, and it was kind of like, yeah, it, it, that changed it, but to answer your question, I think if, if i didn't get into sales, I might have just continued to go down that wrong path. I do think I, I always used to believe i 'll be a millionaire, and I always used to believe i 'll do something big. But obviously, who, who knows? It could have easily went down the wrong path or I might have went into a different type of sales or I know I definitely didn't want to be a builder for any longer. Like, being a builder was a hard job. Like, a hard job. Um, so, yeah, who knows? I might have went back into being a builder and just hated my life for the rest of my life like a lot of people do and hated what I was doing every day. Um Who knows? I think
2: I think you'd have always got there, but I think time was on your side getting into sales. You had that yes, belief yeah. and that hunger. Yeah, that's what separates. I think yeah. from a lot of people. Yeah, and, and I was only nineteen. You,
1: spent, you know, it's such it's age. You you mentioned a little bit about your friends engaging in very different lifestyles while you were there in sales, thinking about property and its first stages. Was it? Was it easy? Was it hard to be to be able to say no? Was there pressure from them to, you know, do what was cool instead of being this nerd that's focused on sales and property? Like, what was that dichotomy like? Right, you had to say no to your friends to do, you know, engage in their activities. Now, well, first of all, salespeople aren't nerds. The absolute
0: legend salespeople, right? Just just so you know (laughs) that one. Um, Thanks for clarifying. Honestly. Sales should be taught at schools one million percent. The power of being able to persuade somebody to do something or to sell yourself or a concept or a product to somebody else is a life skill that every single person on this planet needs and it's not taught. But well, that's a different that's a different podcast, I suppose. Um but was it hard to say no? Yeah, because even though I was strong willed and even though I knew deep down I was different to these Criminals that I was hanging around with, I knew I was different, and that was, that was apparent in certain situations. When they crossed the line, I was I was out I was out there. I, I wasn't getting involved, but but in certain situations, yeah, the peer pressure, you know, drinking, taking drugs, all of that, like it was the norm. And if you didn't do it, you were the odd one by not doing it, and then the you know people take the maker, and you. You don't want that in your circles, do you? But I didn't really know. I couldn't see past the circle I was in until I got in sales, and then I met all these people who were also ambitious and also thought like positively, and they didn't want to take drugs and they didn't want to do all these crazy things, and they just wanted to make money and build a career. And I was like, I'm more like, I felt like I, f- I fitted in for the first time ever when I met these salespeople. people, and I never really fitted in at school because I was just. A nightmare and and I used to think things that that nobody else thought like I'm gonna make loads of money and you know get out of the nobody else thought like that everyone else has accepted that's just who they are and what they're gonna do for the rest of their life and they're probably still doing it they just but I always thought something different
1: um so yeah that answers your question you Terry you could be the masthead of the fail forward podcast you embody the narrative and the philosophy incredibly well. Maybe not even through any choice of your own, but it's there.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Definitely, definitely. I appreciate you saying that. Thank you.
2: So your, I get your purpose. I guess Terry then was to, it was kind of provide that generational wealth. Do whatever it takes to make the money to invest in property. To have that peace of mind of your mm. sort of is your purpose or passions or things you enjoy shifted over the last few years or how has it changed now is that still the goal to just increase the wealth or have you got other projects that you'd like to get into where are you now
0: i think i think if your purpose isn't changing you're not growing i think if you just have a goal and once you achieve that goal you don't set another goal you're probably a little bit unhappy you're probably a little bit lost you're probably a little bit complacent and you're probably not feeling that fulfilled so pretty much for probably the last 10 years every time i've got close to a goal i've moved the goal i still sell let's say 10 properties so when i got a 10 properties it was a goal for a while but once i got eight or nine i was already looking at 20. i still celebrated when i got to 10. But it was always the next thing because if you don't keep finding the next goalpost, the next line in the sand, the the next whatever, you're just coasting through life. You don't really, you know, you're just coasting, right? So I think my purpose and my goals to change all the time, all the time. That's health and fitness. That's relationship as well because you've got to have goals for your personal life. Got to have goals for health and fitness. I've got business and I've got property goals and I've got personal development goals. So, learn a skill, get better at this, read up upon this, you know, do the, you know, whatever it may be. You've got to have a monetary goal as well. So, all of these dynamics and these boxes are moving constantly for me, which then dictates my purpose, which keeps us on my toes. It keeps us energetic. It keeps us... I don't to say focused, but because your focus is changing, but it keeps it just keeps you, it keeps you motivated, and it makes me be really disciplined in each part of my life if I want to achieve. Because the worst feeling for me in the world is when I'm not progressing in one of my or all of my areas of goals. If I feel like I'm making lots of money, but my relationship is suffering, I'm unhappy. And if my relationship is great, but I'm not making any money, I'm not progressing towards my monetary goals, I'm, I'm not that happy. So I'm the happiest when I'm progressing on all fronts. And you only can get that if you keep moving the goal. So, and, and, and you also ask, what I like to do, has that changed? I like to work and I like to make money and I like to build businesses and I like to go to the gym and I like to have a happy relationship and I like to be a good dad those have been there for a while it's just the different sort of spin-offs of those categories I suppose you could say those change so um, so yeah and if if you're not changing and you're not moving those goalposts you just will be I believe you'll be less happy, less fulfilled less motivated and you'll do less, you've got to keep moving it Mm. always until I die it's it's like
2: it's like you've found that middle path. You've kind of, yeah, you, you've balanced. You're balancing things really well. What you want and what you like, and and you said to me before about KP You measure yourself KPIs on everything, so you've got these targets, and you, you just measure yourself just oh, yeah. just to keep that. You, you're quite comfortable with that alignment. I think that's that's quite unique as well. Do you think you're yeah. trying to simplify? your life more and more as as the older you get, you're doing hotels, you're doing glamping sites, you've got businesses, property, you've got so many and the family and all the personal development goals well. Do you find yourself getting to a point where mm. actually I just want things to be or not?
0: I don't think you do. Now if I'm really honest and you know, opening up to you guys, the first time I've ever felt overwhelmed to the point of I thought that I took too much on, and I still think I did was last year, Um, because I had another baby, who's uh, nine months old now, and there was everything that I do, there's 13 companies, there's loads of staff, different industries, different locations across the country, as well as being a dad and a partner, I mean, all of them, we bought a new house, and we're doing that up, there was loads of big life factors, all happened at once, plus then with the baby, I was having lack of sleep which makes everything worse or appear every appear worse um and for the first time ever last year i thought have i actually took a little bit too much on because i was in the middle of developing a glamping site and taking on a cafe with loads of staff i was developing a hotel with a bar and restaurant with loads of staff i was selling a business i'd had a baby i'd moved house to a different location i was doing up the house i was living in I had refurbs going on all over the place. I had moving I was moving staff around. It was just every factor hit us. And it was like, yeah, I think I probably did to take too much on. But I learned from it and I'm stronger because of that now. But going forward, like I want I still want to achieve big things, but I want less hassle, less staff, and more profit so that's putting us in the direction of online stuff so i'm in the process of setting up a couple of online things at the moment um i'm in the process of going to roll out education on a bigger scale masterminds and seminars and things because that's high profit low low um overhead it's high margin low overhead low amount of staff is required which is what i need because if i kept building the way i'm building it's not sustainable because it's just you know, I'm taking on. There's noisy businesses and there's passive businesses and there's something in between. Passive, it's very very rare. Noisy is what I've got, <laughs> loads of them. Cafes, bars, restaurants, glamping sites, hotels. Sa, they're really noisy. But ideally, something in the middle, in the in the something that is between the middle and passive is where it's at. But I think you've sometimes got to go through the noisy stuff to get there. Um, if that kind of makes sense. Um, but yeah, that's, that's yeah. certainly what I will be doing going forward, I think.
2: No, no dude, I, I think it's getting really bleeding. real then. And that thought probably thoughts opened thoughts. up a whole load of emotions um, going back last year to Wait, everything else to deal with. And and not. I come from hospitality, yeah. I did 10 years, refit. Right. looking well, after hundreds of staff. Way, yeah, while you does. don't get much more stress than that. And that's without pay. everything else had going on as well. So we talked
1: about it a little earlier. But, the meaning of yeah, you needed to go through is that is to see where you're
2: focusing of on next. That you but you said, people it's ideally all for person, a reason. You're just, just going through those... those pushing you yourself to the limit. 100%
1: reproaches on you're going to tell you
0: yeah, yeah, definitely. I was just going to mention that, like, you you do have to go through times like that in business, and and you know, when all you learn is a very common quote, but it's it's a hundred percent right because when things are just going right and you feel like you're managing everything with ease, those times you don't learn anything. You just it just all it does is inflate your ego and inflate your belief in yourself when everything is just going right. But then when you when you get to a stage where you you're like struggling, those are the times that you actually need you really really need trouble and hardship and stress to then either find what you want or level up and without that if it just all went rosy it would it, it would be pretty boring and um when you wouldn't really progress
2: you definitely do not live a boring life. That is one million percent sure. <laughs> I don't think you no, ever will
0: either. No, no, no. Terry, I think this is a good and time, this, time to jump into this. Sorry, go on.
2: <laughs> this is a good time to jump into this this game, I think. And then what do you think?
1: Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. I had a little bit of a connectivity issue, okay. but we're back. Um, all right. So you can just tell me when and I'll stop or I can just arbitrarily pick one for you and then we can answer, have you answered the question Then you can either have us answer another question or have us answer the same question you answered. Okay, stop.
2: And these questions, we've only had this a few times with our guests, but they seem, it's like it's meant to be when you pick that card. I tell you, it's, it's, it's strange.
0: What enjoyable thing things about life on this planet would you tell a visiting alien? What would I, what, what would I um, <laughs> You would have a season with get into sales. That's what you'd have. You'd have like <laughs> sales, you gotta I would if it was an me. alien that had never been here before, I would tell him I would tell him to, <laughs> I would tell him to have sex. I would tell him <laughs> to go to go and enjoy himself with his mates Um go down the <laughs> pub, have a laugh go football game go to the gym and then once he's got the enjoyable stuff out of the way then set up um or, or go come work for me do some sales come on my sales training sessions <laughs> that'll be an enjoyable for an alien and then um then yeah do, you fi- find out what you want to do and pursue the happiest time i said it before the happiest times of my life is when I'm doing what I want to do, and I'm in like I'm doing what I want to do with who I want at the time I want to do it without anybody telling me what to do. I'm doing it because I want to do it with the people I want to do it with at the time I want to do it. Like that is for me, that is happiness. So I would tell this mad alien guy to find whatever that is to him and do it. Because what what I think is enjoyable isn't necessarily what you two think is enjoyable or an alien thinks is enjoyable. So you've got to find out what you think is enjoyable and then do that. So there you go. Hey, you'll you'll get some good short-form content out of that, won't you? Me talking about sex. Cut that up all you want.
1: (laughs) Dan, honestly, I think this is actually a great place to end this show. we got some incredible content. And Terry... My my jaw's hurting from smiling this much over the last 30 minutes.
0: I appreciate that, man. Thank epic. you. Thanks for having us on, man. It's a pleasure. Bad man, huh?
2: don't get away with this, though. What would you do if an alien visited? I want to know what you would think. What would you tell the alien? What what would you tell them they,
1: they would enjoy? Drugs. All of the drugs. A hundred percent. All of the drugs. hundred <laughs> like, percent. Like, I'm sure eventually they'd get too much of it, but... I doubt that you're getting the same plants on a different planet. That's something that's only Earth Earth applicable. Use it and do it while it's here, and then do all your stuff like Terry said. But start so off just,
2: there. so just drink, do drugs, have lots of sex,
1: <laughs> and, then, and then just whatever happens after.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's the way. What you would you it. What would you say, yeah. Dan?
0: You're not getting away with it, you're going to have Dan. What, what are you going to say?
2: Well, do you know what? I I cast back to my full 20s as well, and I don't regret anything that I did in my 20s. It was all... I mean...
0: I think when I was at uni... Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. You can't say you didn't regret anything in your 20s. You must have got, you must have done something that you shouldn't have in your 20s. Go on.
2: Nothing like I tell an alien, that's for
0: sure. I did some mean, no, magic in my 20s that I shouldn't have done.
2: Yeah, there's, that's that's for another podcast for another day as well. To be fair, but
0: but yeah, I, I just think yeah, just yeah. don't
2: have any don't have any regrets. I think that's the main thing. Don't have any regrets. Just just try stuff. Be adventurous. You only get one life, so just anything you think you'll enjoy, just do it. Just give it a go, and then you can you can look back and think well, that was a daft, daft idea. Well, that was that was a shit thing to do. But just do it. Stop wasting time. Just do it.
1: Yeah, man. Something love good. it. Terry, thank you for jumping on. It's been an absolute pleasure. Where can people find you?
0: So, yeah, um, Instagram's Terry underscore Blackburn underscore property. Uh, LinkedIn, Terry Blackburn. Uh, Facebook, Terry Blackburn property. Um, or Rags to show on Apple Podcast Or the Bay Lion book on Amazon and Audible um new book is coming out in two weeks time actually mid-may um so yeah new book is coming out but any of those platforms you can find me um yeah happy to have a chat with anybody if they'd like some help or advice hi everyone just before you go i'd really appreciate it if you could pop on to apple podcast and leave us a review the more reviews we get the more attention the podcast gets and then it enables me to get even better guests and give even more inspiration and even more m- motivation to you guys. So I'd really appreciate it if you popped onto Apple Podcast, left us a review, shared the podcast with your friends and family, and um, plenty on social media to try and bro- grow the podcast, which enables me to inspire you guys even more. Thank you so much. I'm really, really grateful. I really appreciate it and have a fantastic day.